Section eleven of Vice Versa by F. Anstey. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Vice Versa by F. Anstey. Chapter ten. The Complete Letter Writer. Accelerated by ignominious shovings, nay, as it is written, by smitings, twistings, spurnings, a posteriori not to be named, French Revolution. This letter, being so excellently ignorant, will breed no terror in the youth. Twelfth Night Mr. Bultitude had meant to achieve a double stroke of diplomacy, to undeceive Dolky, and conciliate the lovesick tipping but whatever his success may have been in the former respect the latter object failed conspicuously you mayn't get off by a shabby trick like that said tipping exasperated by the sight of dolky's emotion you've made her cry now and you shall smart for it so now are you going to stand up to me like a man or will you take a licking i'm not going to help you to commit a breach of the peace said Paul, with great dignity. "'Go away, you quarrelsome young ruffian. Get one of your schoolfellows to fight you if you must fight. I don't want to be mixed up with you in any way.' But at this, Tipping, whose blood was evidently at boiling point, came prancing down on him in a Zulu-like fashion, swinging his long arms like a windmill, and finding that his enemy made no attempt at receiving him, but only moved away apprehensively. He seized him by the collar, as a prelude to deal him a series of kicks behind. Although Mr. Bultitude, as we have seen, was opposed to fighting, as assist him, he could not submit to this sort of thing without at least some attempt to defend himself, and judging it of the highest importance to disable his adversary, in the most effectual manner, before the latter had time to carry out his offensive designs, he turned sharply round and hit him a very severe blow in the lower part of his waistcoat. The result fulfilled his highest expectations. Tipping collapsed like a pocket rule, and staggered away, speechless and purple with pain, while Paul stood calmly and triumphant. He had shown these fellows that he wasn't going to stand any nonsense. They would leave him alone after this, perhaps. But once more... There were cries and murmurs of shame, no hitting below the belt, cad, coward. It appeared that somehow he had managed to offend their prejudices even in this. It's very odd, he thought. When I didn't fight, they called me a coward, and now when I do, I don't seem to have pleased them much. I don't care, though. I've settled him. But after a season of protracted writhing by the parallel bars, Tipping came out, still gasping and deadly pale, leaning on Biddlecombe's shoulder, and was met with universal sympathy and condolence. "'Thanks,' he said, with considerable effort. "'Of course, I'm not going to fight him after such a low trick like that, but perhaps you fellows will see that he doesn't escape quite as easily as he fancies there was a general shout no he shall pay for it we'll teach him to fight fair 
we'll see if he tries that on again paul heard it with much uneasiness what new devilry were they about to practise upon him he was not left long in doubt i vote suggested biddlecombe as if he were proposing a testimonial we make him run the gauntlet grim won't come out and catch us i saw him go out for a drive an hour ago and the idea was very favourably entertained paul had heard of running the gauntlet and dimly suspected that it was not an exercise he was likely to enjoy particularly when he saw every one busy himself with tying the end of his pocket-handkerchief into a hard knot he tried in vain to excuse himself declaring again and again that he had never meant to injure the boy he had only defended himself and was under the impression that he was at perfect liberty to hit him wherever he could and so on but they were in no mood for excuses with a stern magisterial formality worthy of a vehemrect they formed in two long lines down the centre of the playground and while paul was staring in wonder at what this strange manoeuvre might mean somebody pounced upon him and carried him up to one of the end of the ranks where tipping had by this time sufficiently recovered to be able to set him going as he chose to call it with a fairly effective kick after that he had a confused sense of flying madly along the double line of avengers under a hail of blows which caught him on every part of his head shoulders and back till he reached the end where he was dexterously turned and sent spinning up to tipping again who in his turn headed him back on his arrival and forced him to brave the terrible lane once more never before had mr bultitude felt so sore and insulted but they kept it up long after the thing had lost its first freshness until at last exhaustion made them lean to mercy and they cuffed him ignominiously into a corner and left him to lament his ill-treatment there till the bell rang for dinner for which contrary to precedent his recent violent exercise had excited little appetite i shall be killed soon if i stay here he moaned i know i shall these young brigands would murder me cheerfully if they were not afraid of being canned for it i'm a miserable man and i wish i was dead although the afternoon being saturday was a half-holiday mr bultitude was spared the ordeal of another game at football for a smart storm of rain and sleet coming on at about three o'clock kept the school not altogether unwillingly prisoners within doors for the day the boys sat in their places in their schoolroom amusing themselves after their several fashions some reading some making libellous copies of drawings that took their fancy in the illustrated papers some playing games others too listless to play and too dull to find pleasure in the simplest books filled up the time as well as they could by quarrelling and getting into various depths of hot water paul sat in a corner pretending to read a story relating the experiences of certain infants of phenomenal courage and coolness in the arctic regions they killed bears and tamed walruses all through the book but for the first time perhaps since their appearance in print their exploits fell flat not however 
that this reflected any discredit upon the author's powers which are justly admired by all healthy-minded boys but it was beyond the powers of literature just then to charm mr bultitude's thoughts from the recollection of his misfortunes as he took in all the details of his surroundings the warm close room the raw-toned desks and tables at which a rabble of unsympathetic boys were noisily whispering and chattering with occasional glances in his direction from which taught by experience he augured no good the high uncurtained windows blurred with little stars of half-frozen rain and the bare bleak branches of the trees outside tossing drearily against a low leaden sky he tried in vain to cheat himself into a dreamy persuasion that all this misery could not be real but it would fade away as suddenly and mysteriously as it had stolen upon him towards the close of the afternoon the doctor came in and took his place at the writing-table where he was apparently very busy with the composition of some sort of document which he finished at last with evident satisfaction at the result of his labour then he observed that according to their custom of a saturday afternoon the hour before tea-time should be devoted to writing home so the books chess-boards and dominoes were all put away and a new steel pen and a sheet of note-paper neatly embossed with the heading christian house school in old english letters having been served out to every one each boy prepared himself to write down such things as filial affection strict truthfulness and the desire of imparting information might inspire between them paul felt as he clutched his writing materials much as a shipwrecked mariner might be expected to do at finding on his desolate island a good-sized flag and a case of rockets his hopes revived once more he forgot the smarts left by the knots in the handkerchiefs he had a whole hour before him it was possible to set several wires in motion for his release in an hour yes he must write several letters first one to his solicitor detailing as calmly and concisely as his feelings would allow the shameful way in which he had been treated and imploring him to take measures of some sort for getting him out of his false and awkward position one to his head clerk to press upon him the necessity of prudence and caution in dealing with the impostor notes to bangle and fishwick putting them off they should not be outraged by an introduction to a vulgar pantomime clown under his roof and lastly this was an outburst he could not deny himself a solemn impressive appeal to the common humanity if not to the ordinary filial instincts of his undutiful son his fingers tingled to begin sentences of burning indignant eloquence crowded confusedly in his head he would write such letters as would carry instant conviction to the most practical and matter-of-fact minds the pathos and dignity of his remonstrances should melt even dick's selfish callous heart perhaps he overrated the power of his pen perhaps it would have required more than mere ink to persuade his friends to disbelieve their own senses and see a portly citizen of over fifty packed into the frame of a chubby urchin of fourteen 
but at all events no one's faith was put to so hard a test those letters were never written don't begin to write yet any of you said the doctor i have a few words to say to you first in most cases and as a general rule i think it wisest to let every boy commit to paper whatever his feelings may dictate to him i wish to claim no censorship over the style and diction of your letters but there have been so many complaints lately from the parents of some of the less advanced of you that i find myself obliged to make a change your father particularly richard bultitude he added turning suddenly upon the unlucky paul has complained bitterly of the slovenly tone and phrasing of your correspondence he has said very justly that they would disgrace a stable boy and unless i could induce you to improve them he begged he might not be annoyed by them in future it was by no means the least galling part of mr bultitude's trials that former gotten words and deeds of his in his original condition were constantly turning up at critical seasons and plunging him deeper into the morass just when he saw some prospect of gaining firm ground so on this occasion he did remember that being in a more than usually bad temper one day last year he had on receiving a sprawling ill-spelt application from dick for more pocket-money to buy fireworks for the fifth of november written to make some such complaint to the schoolmaster he waited anxiously for the doctor's next words he might want to read the letters before they were sent off in which case paul would not be displeased for it would be an easier and less dangerous way of putting the doctor in possession of the facts but his complaints were to be honoured by a much more effectual remedy for it naturally piqued the doctor to be told that boys instructed under his auspices wrote like stable boys however he went on i wish your people at home to be assured from time to time of your welfare and to prevent them from being shocked and distressed in future by the crudity of your communications i have drawn up a short form of letter for the use of the lower boys in the second form which i shall now proceed to dictate of course all boys in the first form and all in the second above bultitude and jolland will write as they please as usual richard i expect you to take particular pains to write this out neatly are you all ready very well then now and he read out the following letter slowly my dear parents or parent according to circumstances comma all of which several took down most industriously you will be rejoiced to hear that having arrived with safety at our destination we have by this time fully resumed our customary regular round of earnest work relieved and sweetened by hearty play have you all got hearty play down inquired the doctor rather suspiciously while jolland observed in an undertone that it would take some time to get that down i hope i trust 
i say without undue conceit to have made considerable progress in my school tasks before i rejoin the family circle for the easter vacation as i think you will admit when i inform you of the programme we intend d v in brackets and capital letters as before this was all taken down verbatim by jolland who probably knew very much better intend to work out during the term in latin the class of which i am a member propose to thoroughly master the first book of virgil's magnificent epic need i say i refer to the soul-moving story of the pious aeneas jolland was understood by his near neighbours to remark that he thought the explanation distinctly advisable in greek we have already commenced the thrilling account of the anabasis of xenophon that master of strategy nor shall we of course neglect in either branch of study the syntax and construction of those two noble languages noble languages echoed the writers mechanically contriving to insinuate a touch of irony into the words in german under the able tutelage of herr stolwasser who as i may possibly have mentioned to you in casual conversation is a graduate of the university of heidelberg and a silly old ass added jolland parenthetically we have resigned ourselves to the spell of the teutonian shakespeare there was much difference of opinion as to the manner of spelling the teutonian shakespeare as in my opinion schiller may be not inaptly termed and our french studies comprise such exercises and short poems and tales as are best calculated to afford an insight into the intricacies of the gallic tongue but i would not have you imagine my dear parents or parent as before that because the claims of the intellect have been thus aptly provided for the requirements of the body are not necessarily overlooked i have no intention of becoming a mere bookworm and on the contrary we have had one excessively brisk and pleasant game at football already this season and should but for the unfortunate inclemency of the weather have engaged again this afternoon in the mimic warfare in the playground our favourite diversion is the game of chevy so called from the engagement famed in ballad and history i allude to the battle of chevy chase and indeed my dear parents in the rapid alterations of its fortunes and the diversity of its incident the game to my mind bears a striking resemblance to the accounts of that ever memorable contest i fear i must now relinquish my pen as the time allotted for correspondence is fast waning to its close and tea-time is approaching pray give my kindest regards to all my numerous friends and relatives and accept my fondest love and affection for yourselves and the various other members of the family circle 
i am i am rejoiced to say in the enjoyment of excellent health and surrounded as i am by congenial companions and employed in interesting and agreeable pursuits it is superfluous to add that i am happy and now my dear parents believe me your dutiful and affectionate son so-and-so the doctor finished his dictation with a roll in his voice as much as to say i think that will strike your relative parents as a chaste and classical composition i think so but unexceptionable as its tone and sentiments undoubtedly were it was far from expressing the feelings of mr bultitude the rest accepted it not unwillingly as an escape from the fatigue of original composition but to him the neat well-balanced sentences seemed a hollow mockery as he wrote down each successive phrase he wondered what dick would think of it and when at last it was finished the precious hour had gone for another week in speechless disgust but without protest for his spirit was too broken by this last cruel disappointment he had to fold and put into an envelope and direct this most misleading letter under the doctor's superintending eye which of course allowed him no chance of introducing a line or even a word to counteract the tone of self-satisfaction and contentment which breathed in every sentence of it he saw it stamped and put into the post-bag and then his last gleam of hope flickered out he must give up struggling against the inevitable he must resign himself to be educated and perhaps flogged here while dick was filling his house with clowns and pantaloons destroying his reputation and damaging his credit at home perhaps in course of time he would grow accustomed to it and meanwhile he would be as careful as possible to do and say nothing to make himself remarkable in any way by which means he trusted at least to avoid any fresh calamity and with this resolution he went to bed on saturday night feeling that this was a dreary finish to a most unpleasant week End of chapter 10